0: Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets made their first free agency acquisition, adding Dennis Smith Jr. to the roster. We break down how he fits in, what the skill set will be for Brooklyn, and the additional moves this team still needs to make. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, my friends, it's the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant podcast. With my boy, Andy Mack, we thank you for making us the first listen of the day. We're free. Free on all those great platforms. And tell you, today's episode is brought to you by Prize First time users can receive an 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And Doug, we waited with bated breath for the Brooklyn Nets to make their first splash of the free agency market. TPEs, MLEs, money galore. And it ends up being Dennis Smith Jr., free agent point guard, formerly, most recently of the Charlotte Hornets. A target that has value and we'll discuss how he fits into this team. But the irony of him being the target that you and I listed among the players we wouldn't want the Brooklyn Nets to pursue, naturally, he had to be the man that came in the door. Well, it's
1: funny. They like, we knew they needed like some more point guard depth, right? Like no matter where this has been a topic of conversation for us on the podcast in the past. And it's like sort of like we would get through all the way, and then we'd be like, Oh, yeah, Ben Simmons is also a point guard. So, like, we <laughs> sometimes hard to know um where exactly. You know what the needs were, but it was pretty clear they needed some on-ball creation uh, to some degree, some ball distribution, could use some point of attack stuff. Uh, You know, Dennis Smith Jr. from those standpoints does fulfill, I think, a need. I do always kind of caution with stuff like this to say, like, what are what are the expectations about how many minutes Dennis Smith Jr. ultimately plays with this team as of right now? When we're breaking down the 240 a game, I mean, it's hard to put them more than like 14 to start, probably 13 minutes. If you think Simmons is, is good. So like, when you look at things from that standpoint, I I hate to do a, you know, just like a negative on the top of this, but I think for what the, probably the role is, I think Dennis Jr. Smith Jr. Is a fine, is a fine sort of like roll the dice. Uh, You know, we talked about Tyler hero in the last episode. One thing that's easy to forget sometimes with these guys that were really young when they came in the league. Because I would have been like, how long has Dennis Smith Jr. been in the NBA? 14 years? I don't know, I feel like he's been there forever, right? Because he was a high draft pick. He was really super young. He's 25 years old. I, like, he's, he's been on a bunch of teams still already, still, right? Like, he's still pretty young. Now, he's been on three quarters of the teams in the NBA already. So, like, that kind of throws you off also. But um, I'm, I'm joking about that. But he's been on five teams. I, like, he's moved around a lot. And so, I think sometimes I can throw you off. But I think for what the Nets needed and where they sort of are as a team right now, Adding a Dennis Smith Jr. as a maybe a backup to a backup role or something like that, I, I think it probably is a fine move. Where you don't want him to be as your starting point guard, I think that your team probably has significant issues if that's the case, unless you're trying you're in the tank. But for what they probably need him to do and the expect the hope that he can return to some of that, some of what got him drafted and some of the shooting that he had shown earlier in his career, I think it's a fine sort of move, especially because the price is almost for sure on the one year i don't think the the terms have been said yet but it's got to be really pretty low pretty low cost here
0: yeah i think and it was one year with like a second year option i can't remember if it was team or or, or i think it's team based could be player sure as well yeah yeah it has to be team based, right um and i'll start with i'll start with to your point i'm gonna start with all the positives of 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 why it's a a good pickup right and and assuming that the price is commiserate with where the market is right yeah i thought about it to your point this Starting lineup is Spencer Dinwiddie, Cameron Johnson, McHale, Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Nicholas Claxton. That's your starting five. But having a point guard, a, a pure point guard, that could come in and maybe feather some minutes where you put him in and get Spencer Dinwiddie off ball, and you take that, that takes him that hero ball out of Spencer Dinwiddie when he has the ball in his hands so much. Right? Great. That is that is a that's a functional gain just by being the type of player that you are. He does set the table well. I think, again, in comparison to Spencer Dinwiddie in his function and role, Dennis Smith Jr. for being undersized or only being 6'2", guy's got some ups. He can get down, like, get downhill at the basket, and that's something that Spencer Dinwiddie struggles with, right? So there's these, like, little, like, functional roles that he has to his game that you go, okay, in the right dosage, to your point, I think this can be beneficial. I think you can find a path to have success. The areas where I have concern is when he's on the court, you want him to benefit of Mikael Bridges being out there, right? Of the guys that are better than him being on the floor. And when he gets left wide open for a three-pointer above the break, I'm going to hold my breath and think about him the same way I think about when Dayron Sharp takes a random three-point attempt once every seven games, right? Like There's just not a consistency there. The other part then, if we're going to say some of the drawbacks potentially, again, limited role, that, that's how we're looking at him, is the defensive numbers. Like, it's weird. You can look, by the way, some people categorize and they say, oh, he's fantastic. I go over and look at the net rating for him defensively. It hasn't been great. I think that he's as locked in and committed to the defensive end of the floor. I think with having a Mikhail Bridges and other guys on this roster, it'll make the assignments easier. And if you want to just have like you had mentioned about needing energy guys, that's what Dennis Smith Jr. is. Yeah. You're going to put him on the court. He's going to dig his heels in defensively. He's going to attack at the basket offensively. He's going to set people up pretty well. Great. As long as he's not playing more than 15 minutes, I, I, I think it's a fine pickup. It's probably a disappointment that this is the first name that gets brought up when the Nets are attacking free agency with all these TPs and MLE money that they had at their disposal. It's funny with this. I, like, from a from an organizational standpoint,
1: I kind of actually do trust the Marks regime with guys like this, right? Like, they, yes. they've, done, they've done pretty good around this particular kind of guy. Maybe, you know the value's low maybe it's a little post hype um or maybe there's no hype you know like a la Dinwiddie and guys like bruce brown like these guys that just kind of came off the scrap heap and now and then end up getting paid huge it's like kind of all because of what they did with the nets right now the nets didn't always benefit from like being able to pay them later on but you know younger guards who didn't have um just didn't have like just much value around them at the time like smith does The the fact that they said they made him a priority, like, of course, you're going to say that they signed him. So, you know, that's an that's a very easy soundbite to say that that's going to be what the case is. But again, that they looked at him and said, hey, from a development standpoint, maybe they looked at him and said, hey, the things that have gone wrong in your game are things we can fix. Like, I think they could tell themselves that story. I think that for sure, again, Dennis Smith, a very high draft pick at the time. Um, was, you know, he was in that Chris Dass Porzingis trade. He was ninth pick overall for Dallas uh, and, up you know, and and it kind of wore off pretty quickly, but the, in terms of like what the Nets have had some success rehabilitating here in the past, I, I do believe that he does fit that at least. Right. And now look, the shooting has been horrible. He can, he has not hit a three pointer for two seasons. Um, and that's gotta be way better to, for him to really be able to stay on the court. Don't forget, yeah, he, he was basically not good it. enough either.
0: By the way, it's well, he was a the tank. No. He was
1: tank commanding. He was tank commanding the Hornets last year, um, and they just couldn't help with winning. They just like swept Dallas <laughs> into the yep. into the lottery at the end. And he was playing huge minutes. So, I don't know. I, I think when when all like you said at the beginning, all these things always have to be put in context. Everything has to, has a context to it, right? Like if Dennis, if you sign Dennis Smith Jr. to be your starting point guard, I think we know where we could place the team. If you're looking to sign Dennis Smith Jr. on a rehabilitation project like and it's for one year and you want him to give you some sort of like non zero minutes off the bench and maybe get high energy and point of attack defense and stuff like that. Yeah, let's do it. I I think we're all I think we're all fine with that. Right. Is that like kind of sum up the Dennis Smith
0: Jr. signing to you? Yeah, he makes sense from a depth perspective. Doesn't make sense from a starting perspective. And I think it's the it's the latter that the Nets are going to try to do here as a functional depth piece. It does make you examine their roster that next level and say you still need to make sure you have the players ahead of him when you talk about chairs. Coming up here in a second, though, the Brooklyn Nets, in addition to some other cap shedding, also moved off of the Patty Mills contract. We'll go ahead and break down where they stand now in their backcourt and how they're going to function going forward. All right, before we get to that, I'll tell you about our friends over
1: at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is Daily Fantasy Made Easy. All you're doing on Prize Picks is you're making entries, you're picking more or less than the prize picks player projections. It's it's super, super easy with basketball. It just breaks down just across the stats you know and love uh points, rebounds, assists, block steals. They got MLB, they got PGA, MLB. You're looking strikeouts, maybe home runs, uh, singles, doubles. They got it all there for you. Make it really, really easy to pick and choose the stats you want to go more or less on. And you're not going against other sharks in the water. You're not trying to wrangle in salaries like you're seeing on some of these other daily fantasy sites. It's just picking two to six players. Uh, more or less on those projections, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Download the PricePix app. Go to PrizePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users get a 100% instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars with promo code locked on you deposit 100 price picks will give you 100 it's that easy don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 price picks is daily fantasy made easy
0: Okay, so one last note before we talk about Patty Mills and the other cap, uh, you know, correcting moves that Sean Marks made here in free agency, including one Joe Harris as well. I will just say the last, my last thought on Dennis Smith Jr., because we talked about where he was coming into the league. So in those, you know, for that first two seasons of his career, if you're the Brooklyn Nets and you can get him back to being a 32 per point percentage from beyond the arc, right? Like he was 21% from deep this past season. He was 22% the year prior. If you can get him back into the low thirties, even just a functional threat. I think that's the big difference. And it just speaks to like developmental thinking. You can get some guys back on track a little bit, and then you can start to dream on the other aspects of his game, including the assist numbers where he had even this past season on a bad Hornets team averaged almost five assists a game across 25 minutes. So there's things to like, and I want to make sure um, now that he's a Brooklyn net. I only look at the positives, and I try to figure out how he helps this team win games. The Nets, I covered this, obviously, um, during last week. The the Brooklyn Nets moved off of Joe Harris's $19.9 million and created a TPE for $19.9 million, which they're not going to use, so everybody can relax about that. They also moved off of Patty Mills uh, going to Houston. The reports are that he's not going to end up in Houston. It's going to be a pass-through. It's going to get lumped into something else, but that's at least where it's looking right now. These were these felt like the when not if moves that the Nets had to make, clearing collectively almost twenty seven million dollars of cap space.
1: Yeah, with Mills, um I know Mills was uh, sort of a target of Nets fans' ire over the and and of defensive salvation because uh, they other teams targeted the heck out of him whenever he was on the court, and that led to the Nets fans ire. Look, look at the end of the day, it was a clearly just a salary dump move. They had to do it. He had no real role going forward in the team. Frankly, I'm amazed they were able to, able to get off of it. Um, so yep. kudos to them for just salary dumping it out the door and moving on. Um, some of these moves, to me, always felt a little too late, but I don't know if there was huge market. There was never going to be a market for Joe Harris at the trade deadline. Uh, we talked about Seth Curry ad nauseum, about how that was should have been moved to the trade deadline, and Patty Mills. I, you just weren't going to be able to trade him and – that's really not what they were trying to do in terms of his like Nets career. I, look, I, the guy gave you everything he had. He was an absolute a plus citizen from anyone within the organization and outside that covered this. Um, you, all you've seen is just like, and we've known this, right? So this is not news, but it's just good to reiterate here. The dude was yeah. just like as great as of a dude, as you could ever possibly hope to bring in the door on your team, like point stop. That's it. He was like the consummate professional. Everyone loved him. Gave back to the community was super accessible to people that wanted. Like Alex Schiffer had a really nice note about him yesterday, uh, formerly of, of the Athletic, that just talked about how accessible Mills was over time, where he was doing stories. Look, I I get that it was frustrating at times. He fit on a team when it was Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and you needed some shooting, and you were just trying to outscore teams. The second that wasn't the case anymore, he really just was not going to have a role, right? Like yeah. so, I, I get it. I don't I want to make sure on the way out here, like we don't bash the guy because there's nothing to bash. Like he was, no, he no. was, uh, he was a really, really good dude. And uh, my last thing on Patty Mills is, and I, and I was actually shocked by how many people interacted with this because it was just so funny. I just was, threw it out there in the Twitterverse that, um, Patty Mills helped lead the Nets last year to the most exciting win in franchise history. And that was when it was him, Edmund Sumner, Daron Sharp, Kessler Edwards, and, uh, Markeith Morris. And they beat the Pacers one thirty six to one thirty three in a, one of the most exciting games of the entire season. So when I'm thinking back on Patty Mills, I'm always gonna I'm always gonna hold on to that one as the uh, really actually honestly was one of the most exciting games of the season because it was just him and all these young guys and they beat the Pacers when they needed a win. So anyway, that's my that's my Patty Mills out the door piece.
0: Well, by the way, and, and like and Joe Harris falls right into this category too, right? Yeah. Came in as a reclamation project, going back to the top with Dennis Smith Jr. Now you bring him in; he has insane value. He's he's a guy that everyone loves to be rooting for as the team is plucky. Then you get the superstars, and, and Joe Harris does not show up in the role that you need him to in the playoffs, right? And it just starts to get worse, and the contract starts to look worse. So when you move up him, same thing. And I saw a little bit of this um, on on social media as well, where it was somebody said it was like you know the real ones from the Nets fan base. Have nothing but love for Joe Harris yeah. as he leaves. because He meant something for a version of this team. So I think, to your point on Patty Mills as well, it's like you get caught up in this sentiment of being like, well, thank God we're off that money. That bum, it's like, no, the money. And we talk about it all the time. The contract matters with how you view a player. We talked about this with non Nets players like Russell Westbrook right now on a two year, $8 million deal. You go, that's amazing. What an incredible value. Like, those things matter and impact. So, um, well, can it, I say it, one more it,
1: thing too? One yeah. more
0: thing that kind of like was not fair to mills. Well, it was fair to mills, but
1: not fair to him. It was, it was fair in the sense that it was a fair criticism, but it really wasn't mills. fault at all was that it felt like when he was re-signed for the two years, it came at like a, should we, are we choosing between Patty mills or Bruce Brown? Right? Like, because yeah, the numbers yeah, yeah. were, the numbers were very similar on what those two guys ended up getting paid and the net's, it seemed like they chose mills over Bruce Brown, which obviously in retrospect, like if you look at Bruce Brown, just got paid huge by the Pacers and was on a chance was a key part in a championship team with the nuggets. Like that looks bad on paper. It's not Mills's fault. Like you're going to get, everyone should take the money when they're offered it. Like you're not going to yeah. be like, I think Bruce deserves it more. Like you would never say that. But um I think that was also what sort of got attached to the Patty Mills. sort of story at the end was like, like, they should have definitely not done that and they should have definitely chosen Bruce (laughs) Brown. Um, But it's like not a mills, it's not like it's not mill centric except that it like exists in the story around them so anyway and it's always easier to kind of root for these guys when they're not going to be on the team anymore because i think you can look at the superlatives a bit more but anyway yeah that's my that's my final mills piece
0: (laughs) by the way too like i'll just circle back here we're gonna um back in this episode we're gonna just kind of recap where the Brooklyn Nets stand right now obviously the big signing the coming back of cameron johnson that contract we'll get doug's thoughts because he was away and then what moves we want to see them make next year but Oddly enough, like in talking about Patty Mills, backcourt player, talking about Dennis Smith Jr., backcourt player, it it does have me cycling back to this other thought about Dennis Smith Jr., bringing him in the door. And that is, you know, you mentioned Edmund Sumner in that game with Patty Mills. Like Edmund Sumner is potentially going to be a part of this roster here going forward into this season. And a Dennis Smith Jr. Second unit minutes that actually benefits because you'd rather have Edmund Sumner off the ball than on the ball like remember the Nets roster has always been trying to take off ball two guards and put the ball in their hands or sometimes Royce O'Neill's hands like they'll put it in anybody's hands to get it across the court and I even thought about it with Cam Thomas as well and we'll, we'll have a full deeper conversation on him this offseason like I think there's value in putting a player on the court whose role is to help get you to function at your best because my job is not scoring first, right? And the Nets haven't had enough of those guys on this team. And there's, I think, a lot of fringe benefits around a Dennis Smith Jr. And by the way, around that model of point guard. Hopefully there's another one coming in the door here. And I think that's just like the the footnote on him or on that need for the Brooklyn Nets is you need this model of player. You want someone at a higher level than Dennis Smith Jr. But this is the archetype of guy. That you want to have on the roster. That's my final thought on Dennis Smith Jr. from segment one. <laughs> okay, so when we turn our attention then to where the Nets currently stand in free agency, quickly or as long as you want to take, Doug. When you look at Cameron Johnson and the contract that finally comes in, it takes a lot longer, and by longer is an hour, but it took a lot longer than I think a lot of Nets fans anticipated. It took a lot longer than yours truly thought when he was doing the live on YouTube. Um, four year, one hundred eight million. 27 AAV where did you end up landing on that contract because I was surprised where I ended up feeling about it after our discussions 90 million is kind of the number if it had to go to 100 but there was going to be this clear break point of, oh, that's too rich and you can walk away no issues I did not end up feeling that way when it ended up being four for 108. Well, I think the
1: four for 108 is definitely a little steeper than I thought it was, should have, or could have been. I do Mm -hmm. think that number was like, Hey, we're going to go a little higher so that we don't even have to match any offers here. Cause remember it was restricted free agency. Like he could have gone and seen what other teams were going to offer to not to, I think the extra dollars were an effort to not even go through that process. (laughs) It's like, Hey, here's the number. Let's like, let's just skip to the finish line here. It's going to be a few extra million and let's get that done and maybe that's like it's not a discount like it's an it's an in-house overpay to maybe avoid that other thing if you look at it in the context of some of the other deals that went out this offseason it doesn't seem b- that bad i don't think like you know kuzma four for 102 right like yep. i mean would you rather have kyle kuzma or cameron johnson probably kuzma but again i think we're also operating uh, maybe not maybe some people would say cameron johnson um i think we're also operating that like they were going to overpay here a little bit because of the context around where he was coming over the Durant trade, great friends with Mikhail Bridges. Like it's clear that they want to keep these guys happy. I think that's going to tack on a few extra million and you just sort of have to live with it. And so I think from the way the rest of free agency sort of bore out, you know, would you rather have Cameron Johnson for four for 108 or like Dylan Brooks for four for 80, right? I don't know. the, the, The Dylan Brooks is like, I mean, it seemed like an incredible overpay, but in the, I just think in the in the context of the way the rest of free agency worked out for who was available, I just think it was probably fine. You're not going to get on his skill set. You're never going to get completely murdered on this. If he's your third highest paid player, you, your team definitely has a ceiling. So I don't think that's in debate, but in terms of how it shook out, I, I'm with you. I don't think this doesn't strike me as bad, Business. I think it's I think it's just fine business. I I think it's it's not amazing, but it's not bad, right? It's somewhere in the middle.
0: Yeah. So I and I agree with you. And it is the off season seeing some other numbers get thrown out for other contracts. And you go, Oh, okay, like if this is where the market is, right? And then I even went like the layer deeper. You go over and you look at it, like 27 million right now, that lives somewhere. And there's good contracts and bad contracts in this. I think I talked about this on the live, but I this didn't get onto the podcast feed, so it's good to reiterate. It's like it's like a top 60. He's like something like the mid fifties range of AAV right now. So, you know, it's, are you setting, you're setting the expectation, Cameron Johnson, I need you to be pushing to be like kind of a top 60 ish player. And in certain categories, he's going to be well higher than that. Another one's going to be a little bit lower. But I think in that sense too, it's like, there's, when you go and look at some of these contracts in that range, a Tyler hero is in that range. As we talked about last episode. Now you go a little bit higher into the thirties and you see a team, you see guys like Jamal Murray and Brandon Ingram, you go, oh, okay, you know, if I could spend four more million for Jamal Murray, I'd probably do that. But you know, DeMar DeRozan is making 27 million. You've got guys like RJ Barrett making 27 million and there's different versions of good and bad here. My point is that like in the spectrum of NBA contracts, he's not getting paid top 20 money. Like, you know, that there's a threshold where it would have been a problem. Top 60. Okay. You're, and that's probably where I think I, my my expectation for you coming into this yeah. season is is to be like a twenty point close to twenty point kind of score, high volume on threes, right? Do some good defensive things and improve marginally in some of your on ball stuff and attacking at the basket. Like it's right there for me. So I, I was, but I was curious to see if you rounded into the same place that I did because what three weeks ago you and I would have been like twenty seven million. Where did he end up? Detroit and what did the Nets do after that? Because that seemed like where it was going to go. Well, I, I will say I still think it's
1: it's steep. I, I'm being it's still I, too much. Yes, it's still too much. It's it's yes. it's an overpay. It's definitely yeah. an overpay. It's definitely I I think. But I think for me, so I'm gonna be on record as saying they overpaid him. Okay. Yes. In yep. in a strictly a basketball sense, I I think that he makes more. They signed him for like what his skill set is and how good he is. Um, he's gonna like let me let me put it this way. He's gonna need to be a lot better than he was for the Nets to then to. To make this worth it, right? <laughs> like I think he has it. Yeah. In, I I think he has it in him, yeah. And I think that like the historical stuff is there, but like strictly what he did on the court for the Nets and the Nets only was he a is he a twenty seven million dollar a year player? No, <laughs> right. I think that's I, I think that we can say that pretty easily, right? But I also think that there's another level for him, and he's actually shown to be better in the past at some of this. So I think yeah, does that make sense? Like I but the thing is like now it's signed. So like, what are we going to do here? Like we could be sit here and and argue and say that's 7 million. I I don't, it doesn't get us anywhere. I'm going to say we'll put this on the record so that no one thinks we're just glossing over this. They paid They overpaid him (laughs) like for sure. hundred percent. Like, but I also kind of just knew it was going to happen. And so it's like, well, this is just like for, for sorry to go long winded here, but for Mark's, this represents a. There's no discomfort in in this signing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like there's no. It's like, does anyone really care? No. Is it everyone happy to see him back? Sure. Is anyone really able to like parse out the difference between twenty seven million a year and twenty two million a year? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> and so at that point, I get it. I just saying he's going to need to be better than he was last season for the Nets to be really worth it. And it's,
0: I think it's still going to be hard for him to meet the value. And it's not like the most insane overpay of all time. By the way, it's funny. Cause you said 27 and 22, it's like 22 million. If that's what you'd said, the contract had been 22, 23 million. I wouldn't have even batted it on. An I said that eh, that's about right. You know, it's right, right on the value. And I feel fine with it to have it be 27 million. To your point is, Hey, See those playoff performances, the first three games against Philly, the percentages, the shooting, getting to the free throw line more like, hey, that's the new threshold here, right? You came over from Phoenix, you averaged 16 and a half points per game. It's got to be 18 and a half, 19, getting towards 20 points per game. That's the expectation level here. But if you come marginally within that goal, and it was, oh, you played to 25 million of value. Great. The extra 2 million doesn't matter, right? So it's all going to be relative to how he performs. And by the way, how the team performs too. If this team, as they get constructed and go into the regular season, they're playing well, nobody cares about Cameron Johnson making 27 million or 22 or whatever else they do in this offseason. And now he's a Brooklyn Nets. All I want to see is him take that next little step forward, like we saw from Mikhail coming over and grow from there. Last thing we should close out on then. Um, is we we so we've covered here just to be clear. Dennis Smith Jr. in the door. We obviously know the Nets shed 27 million with Patty Mills and Joe Harris, and the big contract was given this off to Cameron Johnson, which I guess technically the first name that came in the door in free agency was Cameron Johnson, not Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. What is the next thing here for the Brooklyn Nets? Mo Wagner went back to Orlando. Doug, we missed out. We blew it on that one. But but clearly they still need to add to that front court, and you can make the case like. At multiple positions here, because Udinave is following Kevin Durant to Phoenix. You've got a lack of, you know, floor stretching there. You have a lack of depth behind Dorian Finney-Smith right now. It's going to be interesting to me to see where they go here. You know, they have the TPEs. They could spend big money to fill a role. I just don't know if the Nets are inspired to do that in this moment, knowing that that new one from the Joe Harris trade actually lives well into the new year, so they could have a chance to use that towards the deadline as well. I mean, there's not many free agents left here.
1: Like, I don't know how many more moves they have in them. Um, I mean, there are guys that are like super fringy, right? And so um, I'm not sure there's any ground. There's no, I don't think there's any ground shifting moves available still to be made. Um, Margin guys, or I I actually don't see them bringing in like older vets at this point, right? (laughs) And so if I'm just, I'm not going to try to predict a name here. So I'm not going to do that. What I don't think it's going to be is, already know what you have veterans that are like at the tail end of this thing. Right. I don't, I don't think like, I don't think there's, I don't think, and there are guys like this left. Well, I'll put, the name just, out,
0: I'll put the Christian Wood name out. Like that's still the guy that if the market is drying up, you know, isn't there for him the way he thought it once was, there has to be some insane value buy on like a one year deal for him just to have him come in and say, Hey, shoot three pointers. Like, fine. Okay, so that I guess that was not
1: the kind of guy I was, was talking about. <laughs> um, but and I agree with you, like he's like, yo, still young enough, right? So, what's he? He's 27? I mean, he's getting a little older. Um, 20, like I guess, like guys, if, if it was anything, it'd be like sort of this Dennis Smith thing. It's like, hey, still a little on the younger side, right? Has shown something at some stop that it can happen, maybe not recently, or maybe, but again, Nets are all player development guys now. Like the whole yeah, organization yeah, is right, player right, development. Right. And so I just don't think you're seeing, I was trying to find like a name of a guy like Justin holiday, right? Mm-hmm. Like a like 34, you know, exactly what you have, <laughs> right, right, right. Nice, right. Fi- fine, player. Like that. It's not that kind of guy that I don't think the Nets, if the Nets were going to do it now, does that make sense? I, I'm, I'm oh, kind of yeah. just, I'm trying to break down like the type of player. I mean, cause, cause remember the type of player they brought in from the past, like the Blake Griffins, the LaMarcus Aldridge, the TJ Warren, right? Like guys mm-hmm. like this that they had brought in the past is like, okay, it makes sense. Like sort of like older cagey or vets. Maybe we'll get something. We're going for this. We're going for this type of team that kind of needs to hold it all together around the superstars. That's just clearly not what they're doing anymore. So I right. just think if the final moves I think are going to be upside plays. If, if, if they even exist, I just don't think we're going to see like anyone over 30. If they're over 30, I don't think they're coming in. I think maybe that's like the cutoff.
0: The other name that I like to throw out here. So we'll be back in, by the way, obviously, breaking down any of the updates, the free agency, and continues to cover what the Nets do here. I mentioned this um, when I was setting up the free agency table. Kelly Oubre, I'll go, I'll go right back yeah. to Charlotte. The Nets should exclusively shop at Charlotte, right? You got Dennis Smith Jr., Kelly Oubre, not a strong market for him. Athletic, right? Like, there's, some, there's obviously a functional role for him on the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and you can even stay there, by the way, because I think they should also get upside guy like Theo Maladon. Doug, do you remember back in his draft class? Like, he was the guy when we were doing that. I was like, Theo Maladone, and he struggled. The offensive game isn't there. Um, but again, a 22-year-old kid that you're like, he's focusing on facilitation. He has length, guard position. Like I think that's, to your point, the Nets need to get a handful. I said, take them by the bucketful, Young dudes, see if any of them shake out, right? Like, you should do that at every position on your roster here, going into camp, and just say, you made it. Great. You overtook player X. You pushed player Y. Fine. And if none of them work out, great. Cut ties with all of them because they, they're going to need this in the short and long term because they still are a very thin team from a depth perspective right now. I was trying to
1: find my notes, my pre-draft notes on Theo Maldo, because I can Did remember watching ahead? the tape on him. I was trying to remember if I was high or low. I feel like I wasn't super high, but um, that could just be me rewriting, me rewriting that history. Okay, we're going to get out of here. Good to be back on the podcast. We'll see. I'm sure this is gonna be. There's, there's a good chance along the way this week. There's some exciting net stuff. Uh, like they seem to be in and around enough stuff. As always, we're gonna be doing this five days a week um, as we roll through the off season. Make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Nets over on YouTube. Uh, we've seen the numbers only grow. There's just extra stuff on YouTube. If you're on the podcast feed, so go over to Locked On Nets on YouTube and hit
0: subscribe. No quote. I'm just 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 happy to have my my buddy back. That's that's me, man.
1: Oh, buddy, me too. Good to be back. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Basketball.